We are starting a new series today called Green Pastures, When God Provides. And so uh, I'm very excited about this series, and the Lord put it on my heart in, I think, October time frame last year. And so uh, we've been preparing for this. And, um, you know, one of the things that uh, the Lord used to uh, get my attention about this series was... uh, I was thinking about the cost of living, and I was thinking about all of you, and I, I thought, you know, it is a, a, not the cheapest place to live around here, and, uh, you know, sometimes you look and you think of different places, maybe a third world country, those type of things. And, uh, you know, the thing I love about the Word of God is it works the same no matter where you live, no matter what's going on. So, uh, I don't know what our cost of living is compared to other cities. I didn't look at that recently, but it's, it's one of the higher costs of living. I think in Southern California, it's quite a bit more than here. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Word of God is the same no matter where you live. And faith works the same in every area of your life. And so uh, I am super excited to get into this series because I'm expecting your financial portfolio to expand and increase supernaturally and in some natural ways. Because as we're going to see, there's uh, multiple sides and multiple aspects to God's prosperity. Uh, prosperity is not an evil word. I actually have this uh, Bible software that, that I really like to use, and uh, they keep upgrading, expanding. Every two years, they'll release a new thing, and so they did this sermon builder. So I, I do my sermons in, in my little note file, and I'll put them in like a, I don't even know what that application is, some Microsoft thing. And uh, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the sermon builder. I'm going to start to use the sermon builder. Well, I only got a little bit into it, and then, um, but I was trying to write, like it had key words. You know, so one of the key words it had in there I was going to put was, uh, you know, I put like a provision and wealth and riches. And I, I tried to put prosperity and it kept defaulting to prosperity gospel, prosperity gospel. And I'm like, don't default to prosperity gospel because that's like, uh, what do you call it? That's an a, attack phrase for people that believe. How do I say this? That's an attack phrase that has some legitimacy with a small percentage of what people teach about what God teaches about prosperity, but really it's a kind of a derogatory term. And so I was a little bit annoyed with my software. And so I'm like, why can I not like, I had to put prosperous and then he let me put that in. So I put that keyword prosperous. Did you need to know that? So, So what I'm telling you is there's a lot of, unbiblical ideas concerning prosperity. But the Bible teaches prosperity. Um, A lot about prosperity. In fact, if you've ever heard a minister uh, quote that there is like 2,000, was it 2,300 and some odd verses in the Bible about money? And there's only like 400 verses about faith and 400 verses about prayer. And so I kind of got... Uh, I started to research that a a little bit, and I haven't finished my research on that, but I thought, who said that? Who actually counted? 
I want to know, is that actually true? And like, show me the verses because I, I want to know, like, are all those verses actually about? So I found some guy. Don't go look this guy up. I mean, you can if you want, you know. But I don't remember the guy's name. But I thought, this is great. And I found this PDF of all 2,000 and some verses. And then he had all these comments on there. And oh, my goodness. It was not. Uh, it, it, he did not. His interpretation was totally outside of trusting God for finances. And so uh, people have different perspectives. And, uh, you know, we learned a lot from uh, Kenneth E. Hagin. And, uh, you know, he said uh, in his time, they believed that in order to keep the pastor humble, you needed to keep the pastor poor. Well, it wasn't just the pastor. It was actually if you were going to live close to God, you had to be poor. And I think the natural thinking was because if you had um, financial ability, that it would actually take your love away from God and put it on finances. Well, let me tell you what, there's probably about as many warnings about money and the place money has in your life as there are promises and blessings. But just because if you get married, you will have trouble in the flesh doesn't mean you're not blessed when you marry. So just because there are some dangers to the place money has in your life doesn't mean you shouldn't have money. I mean, if that's, if that's true, just if you're, if you're scared about that, just come this morning and give all your money into the church. I mean, if you're that against money. And so uh, I'm more of a big picture person. And so... You know, 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper, prosper, and be in health, even as your soul prospers. I wish above all things that you prosper, that is financial material prosperity, and be in health, that is physical prosperity, even as your soul prospers, that is spiritual prosperity. Well, holy men of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Bible, you'll get much more out of it if you receive it as it is in truth, the very words of God. So the Bible is God speaking to me, the Bible is God speaking to you. So the will of God is that you prosper materially and financially. Well, let, let me expand. That verse says that, indicates that, and in health in your body, even as your soul or spirit prospers. But what Jesus did on the cross, he broke the curse upon your life in every arena, that in every arena that your life touches, that you would prosper. So prosperity is a lot more than just money or material things, but it does not exclude those things. It includes those things. And so Abraham was very wealthy, the Bible says. In fact, he wouldn't let one of the kings 
give him anything because he said, I don't want people going and saying that this king has made me wealthy. God is the one that has made me wealthy. Joseph was very wealthy. Job was very wealthy. And then it doubled. Do you know the disciples? It talks about the disciples like they had to go back uh, and get the boats that they owned and get the hired servants out of the boats. So not all the disciples were these uh, poor people. The disciples, some of the disciples were wealthy. And Jesus, you know, Jesus borrowed, was it uh, Simon Peter's boat? So he borrowed Simon Peter's boat to preach in. Well, that is a business asset. And if he is preaching in the boat, that boat cannot be used to fish with and gather fish with. But as soon as he finished preaching, Jesus said, launch out into the deep for the catch. And what happened? Well, when the Lord pays you, brother. <laughs> We're like, this thing is sinking. We got to get all this in. Well, the Bible says he that gives to the poor lends to the Lord. Well, it's a pretty good thing when you lend to the Lord. He kind of pays you pretty good. He, he, he will take care of you. Very good care of you. And so, so that Hagen, you know, they're, they're kind of like, uh, you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. You know, talking of, of, the, of ministers or pastors, that was his vocation. And so, you know, he followed the Lord and uh, he was pastoring and the Lord said, uh, you know, this is the last church you'll ever pastor. And he's praying about, well, Lord, what am I supposed to do? And uh, he, uh, he put his own interpretation of what the Lord told him. I don't want to get into all that for a second time. And uh, he launched out. He said after he was out there for a year, he, his car was wore out. He had to sell it for junk. His clothes were wore out. They were living not in a three-bedroom house, a three-room house. His son was actually sleeping on a rollaway bed in the kitchen. In the summer, he'd sleep on the back porch, but in the normal time, he'd sleep on the rollaway bed in the kitchen. And he said, when I sold my car for junk, it gave me enough money. He said, I had three loans out, and it gave me enough money not to pay the payment on the loans, just to pay the interest that was on the loans. And I bought the kids a, a couple clothes, a little bit of clothes, because their clothes were all wore out, and that was it. That was it. And he said, so I started to fast and pray and seek the Lord about it. And uh, he said, somehow I, I, I fell upon this verse in Isaiah that says, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And so he's praying, and he's telling the Lord, hey, I shouldn't be in this financial situation. I obeyed you. I'm willing and obedient. I did what you said to do. The Lord spoke to him and said, you have been obedient, but you haven't been willing. You've been obedient, but you haven't been willing. And he always said when he'd tell it, don't tell me it takes a long time to get willing. He said, it took me about 10 seconds. And I said, Lord, I'm willing. You know I'm willing. The devil knows I'm willing. I'm willing. 
I'm ready to eat the good of the land. Well, why wasn't he willing? Do you know one of the reasons he wasn't willing was he pastored a church before this. Well, that church, uh, they had, you know, a parsonage that went with the church, a house that the church pays for. And so uh, he said it was the best parsonage they ever had in any church they pastored. He pastored about uh, five churches, I think. He said the best parsonage he ever uh, had. They had more money in the church than they ever had. They had more attendance than they ever had. So he actually, when he was praying to go out, he said there was no natural reason why you'd ever think like I should leave this church. But the Lord started uh, working on his heart because his assignment was, was different. And so, uh, you know, he said, so they, they paid for my house and then people in the church were so generous, they'd always stop by and they had extra food, they'd give it to us. It'd show, show up in their refrigerator or their freezer, they'd have this food. So he said, so a good portion of our food was actually subsidized by the church people. And then when I'd go to a conference, the church would pay to send me to the conference and they'd always buy me a new suit because they wanted him representing the church well when he'd go to a minister's conference. He says, so I figured it up, Lord. And we're like, I'm, this is way, way, way back. He's like, I'm $1,200 shorter than I would have been then. That's probably like about $30,000 a year shorter than what you would be now. And so um, he's thinking all this. And he calculated all this. And he's like, now when I go to meetings, I have to pay my own way. And I have to pay my own rent. The church doesn't pay my rent. And I'm obeying you. I should be eating the good of the land. And so he really wanted to stay pastoring. So he was willing to pastor, but his willingness or his desire really wasn't to be out on the road ministering. Yet the scripture said, if you be willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. So he found out the Lord revealed to him, hey, hey you're, you are obedient. You're doing what I said in a measure, uh, but you're not willing. And so he said, don't tell me it takes a long time to get willing. I got willing like that. <laughs> and um, so one of the things that will actually um, bring the provision of the Lord to your life is obedience and willingness. Obedience and willingness. And, but the Lord said, and, and, and there's another thing. Let me, let me get it so I say it right. He said, you don't practice what you preach. He, how he said it, he said, Lord, you hit me with a low blow. In other words, you punched me down here, right? Oh. And uh, I've had a couple of those. And um, they hurt real good. I don't mean physical ones. I'm talking about like spiritual ones where you're like, oh, it's like a gut punch. And um, so you hit me in the gut. And he said, what do you mean I don't practice what I preach? He said, well, you, pra you preach faith, but you don't practice faith. And he, he, he said, I was offended. I said, what do you mean? Ever since I got healed, he said, I always receive my healing. And sickness comes uh, on my children. We pray for them and they always receive their healing. Well, he said, well, yeah, you practice faith for healing, all right. He said, but faith works the same in every area. You're not using your faith for your finances. Faith works the same in every area. 
So that brings us to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Paul said, therefore, as you abound in everything. Let me pause again. The Lord said, you use your faith for salvation. You use your faith for healing. You use your faith for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But that's as far as you go. Verse 7. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, and in knowledge, and in your diligence, and in your love to us, see to it that you abound in this grace also. Make sure that you abound in this grace also. So what does that tell us? One of the things that tells us is that faith is a grace from God. Faith is a gift from God that we can enter into, actually, the Bible really teaches we enter into the very faith of God, God's own faith. We can partake of God's own faith. That's a grace. Well, what else is a grace? Utterance, having the right words to speak, is a grace from God. Well, actually, the word thing and everything, the word thing is not in the original. They just added that to help us understand, they hope. It says, as you abound in every kind of faith, every utterance, every knowledge, every diligence, and your love to us. So apparently, there's all faith, all kinds of faith. So you could have faith for physical healing, but not faith for finances. Or you could have faith for finances, but not faith for physical healing. Or you can have faith for salvation of your soul or your spirit, but, but not faith for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or you can have faith for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but not faith for your body to be well. Or you could have faith in those areas, but not faith to raise your children. We live by faith. Or maybe you don't have faith for your marriage. Or faith for your leadership at your business. Well, see, see, everything, if you're going to get God involved in the arena of your life, it will require faith. You must trust him, turn it over to him, the weight of it over to him, and trust him. Without faith, it is not possible to please God. Well, we want to please God because we love him. But also, you cannot please God and not know it. When you please God, oh, something happens on the inside. And not just something on the inside, something happens on the outside. It, it will affect your life. So without faith, it's Hebrews eleven six. it's impossible to please him. So he said, therefore, as you abound in every faith, every utterance, every knowledge, and in your diligence, excuse me, in all diligence and in your love to us, see to it that you abound in this grace also. In this grace also. So you see, like, I just thought it was such a, I never saw it until I was studying this. I thought that was such a good example. Because the Lord told Kenneth Hagin, 
You know you got faith for salvation, all right. You got faith for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all right. And you got faith for healing, all right. Enter into this grace also. Right, right. What, what is this grace? Well, let's go to verse 1 of chapter 8. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. I don't want you to, be, uh, to not know about this grace that was given to them. Why? Well, if we just fast forward down, scroll down, see if they, if they play this video, if I can time travel and go back to like the 70s, they'll be like, what is he doing? I'm swiping, I'm swiping. So if you go down back to verse 7 where we read, I don't want you to be ignorant of the grace of God, verse 1, that was given to the churches of Macedonia. Well, what, what are the churches of Macedonia? Well, the church at Berea, the church at Thessalonica, and the church at Philippi. There was, there was a grace of God given to those churches that the Holy Ghost said, I don't want you to be ignorant of this grace. You, you, you have to know about this. Don't go through life and not know about this because you know what? I've already seen that you have faith in the saving power of the blood of Jesus on the cross. And I've already seen that you, you have faith in, in your diligence and you have faith in knowing what to say, getting words from heaven, and you have faith in even your love towards us. Make sure that you also... Use your faith to receive this grace also. This grace also. And as, as we'll see what, as we study it out, chapter 8 and chapter 9 here, it is not just the grace of giving, but it is also the grace of receiving. It takes grace to receive, and it takes grace to give the way God wants you to receive and the way God wants you to give. It's like, uh, what's that little cartoon called, Ratatouille or something like that? These little mice or something they cook, and one of them is like a brown rat, and one of them is a gray rat or something like that. Rat, what's it called? Remy and his brother. Yeah, thank you. So like, you know, you can take a hot dog and put it in the microwave and grab a slice of bread and wrap it around it. I don't like it that way because it gets soggy and everything real fast. Put some ketchup on it and say, here's your lunch. Did you eat lunch? I ate lunch. Or you can actually prepare a meal that not only is well-prepared food, but well-displayed food. I, don't, I didn't mean to stand in front of you for that. That must have been the Holy Ghost or something. I just realized, oh, I'm standing in front of my wife. She's going to feel all like... I'm walking in love. I'll walk somewhere else. And, uh, so there is... There are natural things, but there are supernatural things. So just, just to say, I made a meal, that might have different definitions to different people. And that might help your marriage, right? So like, 
Let's, let's sit down while we meet together and, and define what a meal is to help your marriage. Because some people might have different standards of what a meal is. Like somebody's people's standard is, I made you a really nice meal, and our reservation is at 3 o'clock. <laughs> So as you abound, you're, you're overflowing in all of these graces. See to it that you abound in this grace also. Do you know Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law because he became cursed for us. that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith. The way that you will receive the blessing is through faith. The way that you will receive faith is through hearing, and the way that you will hear is through God's Word. So you must Find the scriptures that talk about the provision of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, the prosperity of the Lord. This is what we're going to do over this series. And um, you must grab hold of those and act upon those and believe those, and, and then things will change. And you'll find increase where you had lack. And one thing I love about the Lord is the blessing of the Lord will make you rich and add no sorrow with it. Uh, I don't know if I wrote the reference to that scripture down. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich and adds no sorrow with it. I know in my own life, uh, when we started the church, we had uh, uh, some major financial challenges. And... um, Sometimes people that love you and uh, are acquainted with you uh, they will do things that outwardly seem helpful but actually could cause you to miss God. So their desire to help. And um, so we're, we're really... Uh, in a tough financial place several years ago. And uh, I have uh, some tree stumps in my yard now, and I call those my Jesus trees because when we, we got this house, it had a wood burning stove. Well, we didn't have money for uh, really too much electricity, not heating electricity. And so, uh, but I had a chainsaw, and I have several acres of woods, and so. Uh, these trees, I found myself, I'd have to like pray and ask the Lord, okay, because a dead standing tree won't always burn. In fact, many of them don't. It still has to be dried even though it's dead standing. And it's not always, also not the best wood. Um, better wood is a fresh tree. You cut it, you split it, you let it season for two years, and then you got some good firewood. And uh, so I would uh, pray, we would pray, and we'd go out and find the tree so that we could be warm. And uh, so uh, there was like no budget for, for the other. <laughs> and so uh, we're like, well, you know, we believe God. He'll increase us. He'll take care of us. 
And so a friend of mine said, uh, he didn't know actually the details of the financial situation, but he said, you know, he said, uh, I could hire you for $90,000 a year and, uh, uh, you know, you'd have to travel about, I can't remember if it was 40 or 60% of the time, but it was quite a bit of travel, I thought. And uh, you wouldn't be there, you'd be gone most Wednesdays. Well, we were really enjoying the, the Wednesday ministry, and I really felt that's something we were supposed to be doing. And so I was like, oh. And I sought the Lord about it. You know, because if you don't take care of your own family, the Bible says you're worse than an unbeliever. It doesn't say like you're equal to an unbeliever. You're worse. Well, I don't want to be in that group. <laughs> and... Uh, most generally, especially if you have a smaller church, you need to be working another job. But every time I'd pray about it, the Lord said, no, I want you, you full-time. And uh, I'm like, okay, Lord, but uh, you're going to have to give some money because <laughs> this ain't working. And uh, so my friend offered me this position, and I said, uh, I said it to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, you can take that position if you want, and you will be blessed, but it will come with sorrow. And he said, if you do it my way, you'll be blessed, but without the sorrow. And he said, part of the sorrow is you're going to miss more of your kid's life growing up because you'll be gone. And I said, well, I, I don't want that. I, I want your blessing without the sorrow. <laughs> it's much better. And so, um, you know, long story short, we did that. And uh, the Lord provided and, uh, and provided and provided and provided and just, just multiplied and uh, we're, we're able to uh, pay the electric bills and, and buy food and, and do everything. So don't feel sorry for us. The Lord takes care of us. But, you know, even in those difficult times, man, what the devil meant for evil, the Lord uses for good. So uh, James 1 verse 4, I think it is, really came alive in our life, which is, you know, the testing of your faith develops perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Hope doesn't disappoint. But he says that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So when you know the Lord provided for me, it just does something to your faith and to your spirit that you're like, my God will provide. Yes. My God will provide. So when COVID came along, I had a few thoughts as a pastor, you know. They're like, you can't have church. <laughs> you know, when you're, uh, this is one of the reasons we're getting our own property and building is because when you rent, you're really subject to the people you're renting from. And so the school system, uh, you know, it's their facility, so they can, like, kick you out. And so they kicked us out <laughs> for, for, for a long time. And so, uh, you know, uh, but we did not decrease financially. We increased financially during COVID. Because the Lord is our provider. He, he takes care of his children. He takes care of his church. And he will take care of you. But you have to be willing and obedient, and you must act in faith. You put it all on the line for him. Okay, Lord, this is what you said to do, right? You've got to hear from the Lord. Yes. And then you put your trust in him. So he said, as you abound in every kind of faith, every kind of utterance, every kind of knowledge, every kind of diligence, see to it that you abound in this grace also. Do you know a way that you can actually take that? Th th think about this. Ooh, 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 ooh. We're almost done for today. Uh, chapter eight, or not, 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 chapter nine, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter nine, 
Uh, you see like, he that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He that sows generously or bountifully will reap generously or reap bountifully. Every man, don't get nervous because <laughs> you just give as you purpose in your heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Right? God loves a cheerful giver. You know, that's chapter 9 and chapter 8, verse 2. Chapter 8, verse 1 says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the grace of God that was given to the churches or bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded to the riches of their generosity. So are you, what are you saying? I'm saying these Macedonian churches in Berea and Philippi and Thessalonica, they had great affliction. That's where they attacked, uh, was it Thessalonica? They attacked Jason and they said, those that have turned the world upside down have come over here too. And they were really upset about it. So they were being afflicted and it said, that, but there the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty welled up to them being extremely generous. Well, God loves a cheerful giver. Apparently God liked that. Well, they got happy about it. Why? Well, if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, what did they do? They first gave themselves to the Lord. First they gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So number one, you've you got to give yourself to the Lord. You're saying, Lord, uh, yeah, you have to be born again and say, my whole life is yours. But then you kind of need to say, Lord, everything I have belongs to you. How do you want me to manage it? What do you want me to do with this? And so as you abound in all of these other graces, see to it that you abound in this grace also. So when we're, we're, we're talking about the provision of the Lord, Psalm chapter 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, I got so many pages of notes. How did that happen? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Actually, green pastures, uh, there's a mark in my Bible there, so it has something in the margin that tells you really what the original is talking about. It says, pastures of tender grass. Pastures of tender grass. You ever like plant some brand new grass and, and then, you know, you, you touch that grass? It is so soft. It is so tender. And you are the sheep of his pasture. And the Lord is your shepherd, if he's your shepherd. I shall not want. One translation says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. What is that? He's going to lead you beside waters of stillness and quietness, make you lie down in green, tender pastures, that your home is a refuge, that you feel the provision of the Lord, the protection of the Lord, the comfort of physical comfort of the Lord, of course, the spiritual comfort. 
He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. That sounds like some provision. In the presence of my enemies. Wait, I thought I wasn't going to have to deal with all this stuff. (laughs) You thought. You didn't read the word. The provision doesn't come by thinking. It comes by believing. But, you know, lest you get off, you, you must think to believe. It goes through your mind. You let it in your heart or it comes up in your heart and you change your mind with it. So we're not against meditating, thinking, gaining understanding. But what the Bible teaches is if you use natural human thinking, you will not receive the grace of God. So you can't have a a natural human thinking mind. In other words, a mind void of God being involved in the situation or what you're doing. God loves true education. Not unbiblical education. The more you can learn, you put God first, the more you can learn, the better. God is not against education. In fact, the more you learn, normally the more you will get paid. Well, I shouldn't say that. It depends on how lacking the world is in that skill. Because you could learn a lot about underwater basket weaving. Probably not going to get a big income in that arena. Well, I've got to go here and then I'll go why I'm saying all that. You'll understand. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That sounds like more than enough. He is the God of more than enough. He provides more than enough. So there's a bunch of warnings in the Bible about finances and money. There's a bunch of promises about blessing in the word concerning that. But what we want to do is we want to receive exactly what the promises say. And we want to be protected from uh, and heed the warnings that the word of God gives. Because uh, I'm trying to figure out how to finish this up in like two minutes. (laughs) Because over in... 1 Timothy chapter 6. That's, uh, that'll probably be our main, our last scripture we tune to over here. Let's see here. Where is, where is it at? Uh, verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, 
that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate or to give, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Well, what's he talking about there? Well, let's back up. Um, let's switch to which verse here. Well, I'm going to start with verse 1. You probably knew that. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed, that they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brothers, but rather let them do service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teaches otherwise... Uh, and consents not to wholesome words, even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes and words uh, where envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings come, perverse, perverse disputings of men and corrupt of minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw yourself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and certainly we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothes, let us with that be content. But they that will be rich, they that will be rich, uh, literally that word will be is covet to be rich, uh, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish, hurtful lusts. That is not they that desire provision. That is not they that the Lord has said, here's what you're to do. And you say to the Lord, okay, but we need provision for this. That's not that. Uh, actually, that has an evil, uh, if you study it, it has an evil connotation. It is like bribery. It's they that will do anything to get rich. They that will do anything to get rich. And so it's going to take faith for you to receive the provision of the Lord in the correct way. You must do it through your trust in Him because of what He has said. Uh, not through your own, well, I'm going to make myself rich. You know, the, Jesus said the ground of a, a rich man it just started to produce such abundance, such abundance. Well, you say, well, I'm not a farmer. Yeah, but what do you do? So it started to produce such abundance, he must not have had a lot of land, is all I could figure out. Because it produced such abundance, or maybe he had a lot of land, but he didn't want to give up the land for another building, so he's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to tear down my barns, and I'm going to build bigger barns. And I'm going to store up all of this extra that's come in. I'm just going to keep storing it, storing it, storing it. And I'm going to say to myself, Self, you have many goods saved up for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry. He said, you fool. Your soul will be required of you tonight. Well, does that mean you're not supposed to save for the future? Do you see everything he said there? You have many goods for many years. Just do whatever you, it's all self-centered. You understand? He's like, he's like I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And um, we'll get into that. We'll get into that.
um, in coming weeks. He said, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. And then uh, we read over there, but they that will be rich, covet to be rich, fall into temptation and a snare, like a trap. And into many and foolish and hurtful lusts. Do you know you are the one that has to keep your heart right concerning money? Number one, you put God first. Number, number two, you give because you love God. Number three, you give because you're obedient to God. Number four, you give because you want to see the work of God expand and continue. And number five, not number one, number five, you give because he gives seed to the sower and he multiplies your seed sown. So you don't give to get. That's not your first heart intention in giving. But certainly, if you act in faith, God will multiply your seed sown. He will increase the fruits of your what? Well, it actually says there, it increases the fruits of your righteousness. Well, that must mean that when you're sowing that seed, you're giving it in righteousness. He's going to increase the fruits of your righteousness. That's a righteous act. So how am I saying, I'm better than everybody else. I'm tearing these barns down. I'm going to, you know, because what did he say in Timothy there? Let him be what? Willing to distribute, ready to distribute. Like, you know, he's saying if you're rich and you're wealthy, you got a lot of money, just be ready to sow and to give. Be quick about it. You know, Proverbs says that the wealth is the rich man's fortress. Well, you want God to be your fortress. You don't want your money to be the fortress. Money is a resource. Money is more like a tool. You ever, like, uh, try to work on something? Where's Dave? And you have the wrong tool? You're like, if I just had this tool, I could actually get in there. It would turn. It would do what it needs to do. But you'll try for hours with the wrong tool. You get the right tool, you're like, oh, that was so worth it. I don't care how much money that costs. <laughs> that thing was so worth it. Well, same thing with uh, finances. And so, you know, instead of having to go and cut down a tree and split the wood by hand and do all that stuff, you know, and get up the hill. When it's wet, you're slipping because it's clay and you're trying to pull the the, the wood up and the tractor and all this type of stuff and then you got to split it and then you got to light the fire and keep the fire going. Well, if you have the finances, you can just turn the switch on the wall. Yeah. They make that nowadays. So we are going to act in faith concerning our finances and receive the blessing of the Lord. Because the will of God is that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Well, let me tell you, your soul is not prospering if money is your God. Jesus said in Luke uh, 17, you know, you cannot serve God and mammon or money or the things that money can get you. You're going to cling to one, despise the other. So you, number one, you have to have God in the right place in your heart. How do you do this? Because if you ever like had like a strong desire for more finances, well, you, you, you 
seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. You don't put the things first. If you catch you putting yourself putting the things first, you say, Lord, please forgive me. I have a heart. And then you confess. Your faith confesses. I have a heart after your word. You know, if you have trouble in that arena, actually, Psalm 119. There's so many scriptures in Psalm 119. I treasure your word more than any amount of gold or silver. If you have trouble with eating, your word is sweeter than honey to my mouth. But you take those scriptures, you meditate on those scriptures, you declare those scriptures, you say, this is me. I love your word more than any amount of money. I put your word first in my life. And I thank you, Father, as I honor you, that you honor me. I thank you as I sow my seed in righteousness that you are multiplying my seed. If you, if, when you sow seed, you got seed in the ground, God is multiplying that seed right now. It'll come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Amen. More than enough, the abundance of God. I'm going to finish with this. So, you know, like if you hear a minister, especially if it's like a traveling ministry and they're not a church and they're talking about uh, finances, well, a lot of times uh, they're only going to be there for a few nights and they only have so much time. It's kind of like ministering on healing. Well, what are you going to do? Well, one of, the, one of the easiest ways typically to receive healing is to, is, is to have hands laid on you. And so you may have someone come through and they're minister on healing and uh, they're just going to have uh, an opportunity to come up and uh, you be prayed for, whether hands are laid on you or somebody just prays with you. Uh, but you know, if you're part of the church, if you're born again and you're struggling with sickness and disease, most of the time you don't need any prayer for healing. You need to hear the word and act on the word. So, but we'll do healing lines and stuff like that. So when you're talking about finances and you're a traveling minister, well, I mean, what we must emphasize is God will multiply your seed sown. Well, we're talking about what the word says, but we're a church. And so, you know, if you spend more money than what you make, you will eventually go broke. You'll get in debt, highly in debt. You must have more income than outgo. So there's, there are practical things that the Word of God teaches about your prosperity that you must get in line with those as well as the laws of seed time and harvest. So your prosperity is not just tied to the offering that you sow into the kingdom of God. And if I just do that, I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to work. I can sit at home. Listen, I personally know of someone who back in uh, the early 2000s got this, I don't know where they got the revelation. It wasn't from the Lord, I know that. That the whole banking system in the United States is corrupt and they had a mortgage on their house and so they quit paying the mortgage on their house. God was going to provide. They quit their job. I don't know what they do. They just sit at home, do whatever. Well, that, that's like a corrupt mind. That's like just looking at all these things and figuring out, you know, your, your flesh and your mind will justify. What happened? They lost their house. <laughs> of course they lost their house. 
Are you kidding me? <laughs> so let me say this. Here's some things that when you have opportunity, and certainly if you're led, and you do these things, this will increase you financially. Get a better education, get more training, be diligent in your work, work hard, take responsibility, have a savings plan, do some investing, give and tithe. Well, you say, I don't know if all that practical stuff is in the Bible. The other thing that'll help you sometimes is association. The other thing that'll help you is wisdom. Well, I don't know if all that, I, 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 I don't know if all that, well, 2 Corinthians, let's end with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where we begin, verse 7. Well, as you abound, where is it at? As you abound in everything, in faith. Well, you must act in faith to receive financial blessing from the Lord. In utterance, well, you've got to have the right words. You know what Nehemiah did? Nehemiah went and he found in the word like, hey, these walls are broken down. These should be built back up. But he didn't have the money to build them back up, but the king did. And so he was prepared. So he went to the king with the plan, ready to go, and said, oh, king, live forever. Here's what we need to do. So he was diligent and he figured out in the scriptures and everything that needed to be done. And he divided up all the people. And so he had a plan. He wasn't just like, oh, king, I sowed my seed. God will multiply it. Those walls, they're coming up now. There's angels lifting those walls up now. Now, unless you think, hopefully I'm not. I'm not mocking. In fact, this year is a year of visitation. And I'm expecting angelic visitation and angelic things. And we believe in the supernatural. We have experienced certain supernatural things. So certainly I'm not mocking those things. But what I'm saying is you, you, you can't just take a credit card and spend all your money on a credit card and max it out and say, I'm believing God. Well, if you did that, ask the Lord to forgive you of stupidity and maybe ignorance and then take steps. Figure out what to do. Don't be paying those high amounts. People, they'll do that and then they'll go and consolidate their cards and then they're like, well, look at all this credit I have. I'll go do more. That is so unwise. You will not prosper that way. I don't care if you're sowing seeds. You're not going to prosper that way. We have to be good stewards of what the Lord has given to us. So there is a very practical aspect. But what I love is the Holy Ghost said through the Apostle Paul right here, he's like, I want you to abound in this grace also. And he said, as you abound in faith or faithfulness. So in other words, if I have a job, I'm faithful at my job. My boss is going to like that. If I have a company and I'm faithful at my company, I, the boss, will like that. All right? That gets both of you. And utterance, you're going to have the right words, like Nehemiah had the right words. And knowledge. Oh, look at that. What about some extra training or education? Knowledge. You, you, you got a company, you got to hire somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. You got somebody that's diligent, faithful, honest, and, and they know what they're doing. They're faithful. You're like, man, I'm going to, uh, we, we got to have a way to hire them. We'll make a way to hire them. They're going to benefit the company. We'll make a way to hire them, right? Well, 
so, so you got, so you got some very practical things. I'm trying to finish real quick. I'm trying to finish real quick. And you got the favor of God. But let's not just believe for the favor of God and be a, a sloppy employee, a sloppy worker who just doesn't really care. I'll show up whenever I want. And, you know, I'm not talking about a flex schedule. You got a flex schedule. Show up anytime you want in the flex time. <laughs> if you're going to be late, you, you, you let them know you're going to be late. Just communicate with them. It's amazing how much communication will save you and grace you. Okay, and in your diligence. Oh, give me some diligent workers. And in your love to us. See to it that you abound in this grace also. Stand with me if you would. So what I'm telling you is, well, we're, we're going to act on a lot of these scriptures that talk about sowing your seed, multiplying your seed, supernatural increase. Uh, th- th- there, are, uh, there is supernatural multiplication. There is supernatural financial deliverance. But I mean, if you're trying to lose weight, don't go eat every little sweet thing that you see that you want to eat and fattening thing that you see that you want to eat and then lay hands on your head and say, Lord, I believe for supernatural weight cancellation. <laughs> you pray over the food. You know you're going to eat it. And so you pray over it. And you say, Lord, take all the calories away. Make it so this doesn't hurt me this time. It's kind of funny, but apply it now to your finances. God loves you. He is your provider He makes a way where it seems like there is no way, but you must be willing, obedient, and faithful. In other words, Lord, my trust is in you. I'm looking to you. And then like Jesus' mother said, whatever he says to you, do it. He knows the future. He knows exactly what's happening. He knows knows your financial portfolio better than you know it. It is in his interest that you prosper. He wants you to prosper. He desires that you prosper. He desires that you increase financially. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. All grace abound towards you. I got to finish, don't I, Jessica? All grace, the grace of brevity. All grace abound towards you. That you always have an all-sufficiency in all things, right? I love that verse. All grace. What were we just talking about? All these other graces. Do you know one of those is faithfulness? One of those is diligence? One of those is the grace of giving and receiving? And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you always have an all-sufficiency in all things. In other words, He's able to make the grace of diligence abound towards you that when you are at your place of work and your place of labor and where you're investing yourself and your time, that that grace abound towards you that you'll always have more than enough in everything and be able to give into every good work. Because you, you, you enter the grace of God. The grace of giving, the grace of receiving, the grace of diligence, the grace of faithfulness, the grace of knowledge, the grace of your love towards us. What's your love towards us? Why is that in there? He said your love towards us has abounded again and again. In their what? 
giving. God will multiply your seed sown. That you always, in all things, will have all sufficiency and you'll abound in every good work. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you desire. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father, that as we desire to follow you, as we desire to be provided for, how much more if earthly fathers could take care of their family and would take care of their family, how much more do you take care of us? Thank you, Father. You are our provider. Thank you that you've given us your word to protect us, that we stay under your hand of blessing and that we receive everything in righteousness, all provision that you have planned for us, that we're always and all things have more than enough. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning or online, in, uh, in person or online, you've not received Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, this is the number one step. This is worth more than any amount of money. This is more valuable than any earthly possession is Jesus himself. What, what happens, natural mind can't comprehend it, but your heart knows it, is Christ himself by his spirit will come and live on the inside of you when you accept him as your Lord and as your Savior. The Bible says, if you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess him as your Lord with your mouth, that you will be saved. With the heart you believe, with the mouth you declare what you believe. And so I'm gonna pray a prayer right now. And if you're watching online or you're here in the room and you've never accepted Jesus Christ or you have accepted him and you walked away from him, he didn't walk away from you, but you walked away from him. This is a perfect time to come back. There's no better time than right now to come back. He's not mad at you. He's not upset at you. He wants you close to him. He wants to be your provider uh, of, of life satisfaction, your provider of financial things and physical things. He wants to take care of you in amazing prosperity in every area of your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, just slip up your hand if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. We're going to pray a prayer. And when we do pray that prayer, I want you to repeat after me and God's going to hear your prayer from your heart. He's going to answer your prayer. Say this. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins and to make me right with you. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I turn my whole life over to you. Thank you, Father God, for saving me, cleansing me, making me a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen.